0: You are listening to a podcast from Influence Church. We hope it encourages and empowers you to make a difference in your world for the kingdom of God. For any more information, visit our website, influencechurch.co.uk. Enjoy the message. One of the things I have discovered as I get older is that I find it harder to make choices, to make decisions. I don't know whether it's just because there are so many more choices available to me these days, but I kind of tend to agonize over decisions a lot more than I did in my younger days. I remember before uh, Judy and I got married, we um, needed to buy a bed, okay, because I realised that Judy's single bed was not going to be the answer once we were married, so we had to buy a bed. So uh, one day, we went 100 yards up the road, went to the bed shop, we had a look round, we saw one that we liked, and we bought it. It was quite a simple process. We bought it, we paid for it, And then a few days later, somebody delivered it. And then we had to make the bed. And that put a whole new spin on the whole idea of making the bed. Because I thought making the bed was just putting the sheets on. We had to construct the bed. And it was our our whole hour or two effort to make the bed. But that was a simple decision. Now, if I was faced with buying a bed right now, uh, I would be thinking about a whole load of things. You know, do we want a double bed or a king size or a super king size? Do we want uh, it to be wood or metal? Do we want it to be uh, antique pine or? natural pine or oak? Do we want spindles or slats? Do we want, uh, what sort of mattress do we want? Is it going to be something that's going to be in keeping with the rest of the furniture in our room? Can we get it through the door? I'd be thinking about all these different things and often paralyzed into inaction because I've got too many choices to make. And sometimes we can paralyze ourselves into inaction when we have choices to make. Now, not every choice that we make is going to have world-changing implications. Which bed we chose was not actually of great importance, but I want to say there are choices that we have to make that are very important ones and actually can determine factors in our future and actually in the future of other people. And as we continue our topic, the pursuit of God, I want to look at someone who had to make an instant, life-changing choice, a choice to pursue the things of God. And that man is a man called Elisha in the Old Testament. The background story involves his predecessor, Elijah. So we're going to talk a little bit about Elijah first, and then we're going to talk about Elisha, because their two lives are kind of intertwined together. And I think Probably many of us, if we've been around church for very much time, are quite familiar with some of the things that happened in Elijah's life. He was a prophet in the Old Testament who does some amazing things. He's a man of faith. He proclaims a drought and it happens. He pronounces that a woman will get pregnant and she does. The boy dies And he brings him back to life. He prays for rain, and rain comes. At Mount Carmel, he calls down fire from heaven, and heaven comes. So we've got this man, Elijah. He's a man with a dramatic ministry. It seems as though everything that he does is quite dramatic. But also, he has a dramatic crisis in his own life, so much so that he prays that he might die. And in that account that we're not going to look at in detail, we see that God meets him, God recommissions him, and he redirects him. And sometimes when we get to that place of crisis, we need to meet with God, and he recommissions us, he redirects us. And as part of this redirecting of Elijah... God tells him to anoint a man called Elisha as his successor. Now, when I first ever read that, I thought, oh, you know, God is saying, Elijah, you failed. Now, time for somebody else. God wasn't saying, Elijah, you failed. But what he is saying is he's redirecting him. God is not writing him off, but he is repurposing him. Elijah was saying, I have been very zealous. I'm the only one who has stayed faithful to you, God. But God is saying to him, it's not just about you, and it's not just about your ministry. Actually, you're not the only one who's been zealous. You're not the only one who has been faithful. Actually, there have been hundreds who have been faithful. But Elijah, his his focus is narrowed down onto himself and his own ministry. And God wants to redirect him and refocus him. And in doing so, he gets him to anoint his successor so that he realizes it's not just about his ministry. That actually there is something much bigger going on than just what Elijah is doing. And it's good for us just to be reminded there's more going on than we're aware of very often. And so, I think this would have been a time where, having been called by God, Elisha is learning from Elijah. He's learning stuff. He's observing the way Elijah is living his life. It's a time of transition. It would have been a time of mentoring. Mentoring. And it could be argued that although Elijah did some amazing things, those dramatic stories that we know about, actually his greatest success was his successor. The greatest success in Elijah's life was what Elisha did. Because Elisha did far more ministries, uh, far more miracles than Elijah did. His ministry lasted twice as long. He interacted with far, far more people than Elijah ever did. He counseled numerous kings. So Elisha had this very fruitful ministry, but Elijah had a part to play in it in that time when they were walking together. Our greatest success can be the success of the lives of people that we invest in. I want to encourage us to be people who invest in the lives of other people. I've got a friend, uh, he, um, I remember he, he, him talking about how uh, he wanted to be a history maker. And I thought, it's great to have that desire to make a real difference. But how much better to want to make other people History makers, to actually reproduce what you have got into other people's lives so they can become history makers. And I think we want to be that kind of a church. You know, our vision for the church is that we should be equipped to make a difference in our world, each one of us as individuals. Our vision isn't just for a few people to do some things, it's that we should all be equipped, that we should all make a difference. And so I want to encourage us that this is something that we need to be active in. It's not going to just happen by us being passive. And so we need to be what I would call a disciple-making community, where we are making disciples of one another, training one another, equipping one another, mentoring one another so that we can all be history makers so that we can be a history making church that makes a big impact on our communities so we need to invest in others but when Elijah was investing in Elisha he wasn't trying to make a clone of himself He wasn't just trying to make a carbon copy of himself because Elisha, as you read the story further on, is actually a very different personality. He's a different guy. He does some of the same miracles, but actually he is a different person in his own right. So we're not trying to make clones of one another. We're trying to release one another to be the person that God has made us to be, to have the impact that he has made us to have. So We come to this moment that I was referring to, this moment of decision, this moment of decision, and it's in 1 Kings 19, 19 to 21. So Elijah went from where he was, and he found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied, what have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and he slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and he gave it to the people and they ate Then he set out to follow Elijah and become his servant. So Elijah goes looking for Elisha, who was there one day minding his own business, plowing in his field. We would assume that he was fairly successful in what he was doing, that his family were fairly successful. It says they had 12 yoke of oxen, that's 24 in total, and so they must have had extensive lands to plow. So He had a successful family. And along comes Elijah and throws his cloak over him. And Elisha knows this is a call of God. This is symbolic of the anointing that is on Elijah is going to come on Elisha. And so it's in this moment that Elisha has his choice to make. Should I stay or should I go? am I going to follow or am I going to stay where I am? He could say he's got responsibilities, he's got a family, he's got got to work for his family. He could say, I've got a good life, things are going well for me here. But his choice had massive implications. It is possible he could have chosen not to follow. We're looking at this topic Of pursuing God. And my title today is Choose to Pursue. We can choose to pursue. We have those moments in our lives where we have to decide am I going to choose to pursue or am I going to choose not to pursue? Or what often happens is we get paralyzed into inactivity and we don't make a choice one way or the other. But we want to be people, don't we? I think if I took a poll amongst us, we would, every one of us, put our hand up and say, Yeah, I want to choose to pursue God. But his choice had massive implications for the whole of history. For the whole of the people of Israel, his choices made a difference. My choice of which bed I was buying had very little implications for anybody else. But his choice had massive implications. And I want to say that some of the choices we make have massive implications, not just for our own lives, but for the lives of other people. Mark Varaghese at Rise, he talked about the butterfly effect, this idea that a butterfly flapping its wings in one part of the world has an effect on the other part of the world, and he called it the eternity effect. So our choices are like that. That our small choices can have bigger implications than just our lives. When we look at the whole topic that we're looking at at the moment, the pursuit of God, we can think that the pursuit of God is just about me and my personal devotions and my personal walk with God. But actually the pursuit of God has much wider effects. We don't always see the effects of what we do. Sometimes we may say something, and we don't realize the effect it might have on somebody else. In the 1980s, there was a a leader in the the house church movement in this country, and uh, uh, Gerald Coates, his name was, he said this, we don't always see the effect of what we do, God is doing more behind our backs than in front of our faces. And that's so true. So often we don't know what God is about. I was just thinking about Tanya's um, testimony today. You know, if she hadn't stood up and said it, we'd have never known about it. I guess there are other stories that maybe what God did at Rise that that most of us don't even know. Because God is often doing more behind our backs than he is in front of our faces. So back to the story. Elisha, he has a choice. And his choice is to follow. But before he follows, it says he slaughters the oxen and he burns the plowing equipment, the yoke. And this indicates his wholehearted commitment to follow. There was no going back. Once he has slaughtered the animals, once he has burnt the equipment, there's no going back to that life. He was destroying his previous means of income. He was destroying his previous activity. He was destroying everything that anchored him to his current life and saying, I am choosing to pursue by following Elijah. There was no time for him to research whether this was a good decision or not, to weigh up the pros and cons. No time for a backup plan. I don't know about you, but I love a backup plan. I love to, if if I'm going to make a choice, I think, and if it all goes wrong, then at least I've got a get-out clause, or I've got a backup plan. But actually, for Elisha, there was no backup plan. He had slaughtered the oxen. He had burnt the plowing equipment. We see a similarity with Peter, Peter, who leaves his nets to follow Jesus. But when I was thinking about this uh, this passage, I was thinking, you know what? There is a problem for us here. And the problem for us is how we interpret this into our lives. Because it sounds very exciting and very noble and somewhat frightening what Elisha does. But for most of us, when we are called or commissioned by God... It doesn't require us to leave our jobs. It doesn't require us to leave our family. It doesn't require us to leave home in the same way that it did for Elisha and Peter. So for most of us, in our choice to pursue, we do it staying where we are. And actually, in some ways, that's harder for us to do. It's actually easier to to physically leave something behind than to stay where you are and follow. And I want to say this, because it's important that sometimes we need, we need to sort of change our, our thinking a little bit, because I want to say, a calling or a commission that, like Elisha, like Peter, involves a change of employment or change of location, is not more valuable than one where you stay where you are. There's no... One is really good, and one is, well, it's good, but it's all right. No, actually, both are equal in value. Judy and I, we have moved house three times uh, in response to what we feel God has said to us. We have made that decision. But what I want to say is that is no more important or no more valuable than someone who stays in the same house and the same job for their whole life. Actually, both are equally valuable. And so we need to actually take hold of the value of leaving something behind in our minds, even though we may not leave something behind physically. You know, sometimes we can elevate the concept of full-time ministry, being employed by the church or a Christian organisation, as somehow that is more valuable than being a volunteer. Actually, no, neither are more valuable, neither are more important. Actually, both are really, really important. I've been employed by churches. I've been part-time employed by churches. I've worked voluntarily for churches. None is more important than the other. But sometimes what we can do is we can see other people who are in full-time ministry and we can think, well, they are more important than me. My role is not very important. And we need to turn that on its head. Actually, we need to say, We are all in full-time ministry. Actually, the moment that we were called by God, we were called into full-time ministry, full-time serving him. It's not that there are some who are called to full-time ministry and the rest of us, we don't really count. No, we all count. We're all important, all valuable. God wants to use every single one of us. And so we may not leave our job in the way that Elisha did, but actually we still choose to pursue him. we might not burn the yoke or leave the nets physically but we follow him it's the same with the concept of mission so so a mission when i was a, a a young christian i remember going to a church service and there was a a missionary who was back from the mission field and i thought this person must be a super christian yeah because they have made such a sacrifice they are so Dedicated, they must be so close to God because they have left the country they were in and gone to another country. But the reality is that actually every Christian is on a mission. You don't have to go to another country to be on a mission. You don't have to go to another town to be on a mission. You don't even sometimes even need to leave your front door to be on mission. Sometimes your mission is actually in your household. Actually, we're on mission wherever we are. And so we may not do what some people are called to do, which is to leave and go to another country. We may not be called to go and work for Christian organization. But actually, our sense of calling and dedication and choice to pursue him is of equal value and can be equally effective in changing the lives of other people. Every Christian should be on mission all the time. So actually, it's equally radical to stay where we are and to follow Jesus and be devoted to him and his purpose where we are. Elisha burnt the yoke. Peter left his nets. But Jesus, he said this to every one of us. He said, take up your cross daily and follow me. Take up your cross daily and pursue me. And so taking up our cross daily may not mean changing our job, may not mean moving location. We do it where we are take up your cross daily and follow me. Not just a one-off case of burning your yoke or leaving your nets, but ongoing devotion on a daily basis to take up your cross in the same location, in your same daily routine and following him. And do you know what? I believe with all of my heart, God loves that. God loves it. And it may not seem very dramatic. It's not as dramatic as, as, as having a great bonfire of all your stuff. But actually, God loves it because he sees the devotion in our hearts, not just what we do on the outside. Another way that this is expressed by Jesus is in Luke 12, 31. In Luke 12, 31, Jesus says, don't worry about what you're going to eat or drink. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be given to you. Don't worry about all that other stuff. Follow me. My Nick's International version of this. Pursue God and leave everything else to him. Pursue God, leave everything else to him. This is what Elisha was doing when he burnt the yoke. He was pursuing God and leaving the implications up to God. For Judy and I, in the early days when we were going out, uh, probably before most of you were born, uh, we were exploring our future and you know I don't know we were going through that sort of slightly awkward phase of you know we were going out and we're trying to work out you know how compatible we really are are we actually going to get married those kind of things and we read that verse we'd been to a conference together and we were just going through our notes together we read that verse seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added to you and one of the things for us in that moment we came to that kind of agreement. This is what we want to do in our lives. This is the way we want to live life as a married couple. And I can say that 38 years later, I'm still committed to that. Now, I may not have been as 100% consistent with it as I intended to be 38 years ago, but it's still been my intention. God loves it when we seek first his kingdom because when we're seeking first his kingdom, we're seeking first the king. You can't seek the kingdom without seeking the king. And so seeking is just another way of saying pursuing. We are pursuing first God. In our, um, in our life group, we went to the cinema. Uh, it, was, uh, it was really good because it was actually just a few days before our first meeting on a Sunday in the cinema. We found out there was a film that we wanted to go and see together. And the film was uh, called the Jesus Revolution. Has anybody ever has anybody heard of that? Yeah, a few people. Okay, the Jesus Revolution is telling the story of 1970s America when there was this kind of move of the Holy Spirit amongst young people to become Christians. And actually, hundreds and hundreds of hundreds of thousands of people came to Christ in that time. And it's exciting time. And in that film, uh, Rich, if you'd like to come up with the musicians. In that film, uh, there is a young guy and a young girl, and they are obviously attracted to each other, and they too are in that awkward, are we going to go out together, not go out together, is this God's will, I'm not quite sure. They're kind of exploring that whole thing. And uh, there's this, what I thought really was a slightly cheesy line, but it was quite impactful. I think it's the guy says to the girl if you ever and they're not going out together at this stage bear this in mind if you ever get in the way of me and God it's over between us okay so this is seeking first the kingdom this is saying in our relationship I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God that's the attitude that Jesus is talking about in our lives that we seek first the kingdom before we seek relationships, before we seek our cars, our houses, our jobs, that first and foremost we seek the kingdom, we seek the king. And sometimes we need to say to some of the things in our lives, if you ever get in the way of me and God, it's over between us. We might have to say that to our house. We may need to say that even to our family. We may need to say that to our job. If you ever get in the way of me and God, it's got to be over between us because we are seeking first the kingdom of God because we are pursuing him first and foremost. So to choose to pursue is to burn the yoke and kill the oxen it's to seek first the kingdom of God. It's to take up your cross daily and follow. It's to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. But as we choose to pursue, we find the purpose for our life. For Elisha, as he pursued Elijah, he found his purpose. Elisha's purpose was never plowing the fields. That was just interim. He had a bigger purpose in his life that God had in store for him. We find our purpose as we choose to pursue him. And often we think, you know, and and maybe some of you younger guys here, you're, you're thinking, I don't know what my purpose in life is. I don't know what job I want to do. I don't know whether I want to go to university or whatever. And actually what I want to encourage you to do is to say, first and foremost, I'm going to pursue God. And then everything else is going to find its place. Everything else will fit into place once I get the first thing in line, which is to choose to pursue. Because we know this. When we seek first the kingdom, when we take up our cross, when we choose to pursue God with our whole hearts, Hebrews 11 verse 6 says this, He rewards those who earnestly seek him. He rewards those who choose to pursue. That God chooses to bless those who have chosen to pursue him. And so our choosing to pursue isn't just taking on a rubbish life. Actually, it's finding our purpose and discovering his blessing. you for listening to this podcast from Influence Church. For any more information, visit our website, influencechurch.co.uk. Influence Church, empowering you to make a difference in your world for the kingdom of God.